Hello, I'm Jensen Beeler. And I'm Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiasts Podcast. Quentin, before we get started, I just want to say a massive shout out and thank you to all of our listeners that we've accrued over the last dozen or so shows. It's it's totally surprised me how many people are listening to the show, how many people are emailing us, which is totally awesome. We're going to start addressing some of those emails in upcoming shows. And if we haven't emailed you back, we will be shortly and everyone else that's following us on facebook and twitter it's just been it's just been awesome especially reading the reviews and stuff so thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you very much cheers yeah uh got a newsy show today we've kind of done some not so newsy shows and now we've got a a show chock full of current events to get through so just jump right into it right get on it uh this weekend super prestigio if you haven't seen it i think fans choice tv has it on video on demand by now so you can go back and watch it. If you were watching it live, like I was, the last four laps are a mystery because that's right when it cut out. Nice. Yeah. Sad trombone. Yeah. Wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, looked like a good race. Still haven't seen the last four laps. Uh, Brad- I, I did because it came up on you know one of the many flat track Facebook pages that I sure. follow. I saw it. So it's pretty cool. Brad Baker won. Yep. Spoiler alert. Too late now. Local Northwest boy. He was my favorite to go, going into it. I like him. Well, he won the first. He won the first one. The, the first, first year. year. And then last year, I think he got Marquez somehow. No, well, yeah, he, he hurt oh, his Oh, he shoulder. hurt himself. Yeah. yeah, he didn't get Marquez. I'm sorry. You're a hater. I, You're well, a Marquez not really. Hater. I posted a picture of the little shit, right? Yeah. Because you got to love the little shit. There's that picture of him, like, where the bike is straight up and down, and he is just, it, he's like making a T out of himself he's sideways. It. It's, it's pretty cool. We had a uh, Stephen English, um, former MCN reporter, was there taking photos for us. He's English. He's Irish. Oh, that's got to suck. That's so weird. That's got to suck. <laughs> the poor guy. Oh, we uh, make we make so much fun of him. I bet you poor do. little Stephen. Uh, uh, but he got some awesome photos, and you could really see the difference between Mark Marquez's writing style versus like Jared Mees or Brad Baker's because it is so different and it's very it's very road race he's hanging off the bike he's out there he's getting the yeah the bike on the fat part of the tire where you see like like there's a i think the shot is of jared he was just like the bike's like almost flat on the ground yeah sliding sure. through it's sure. very very different yeah it's uh, different in that he got his ass kicked he didn't though it was a close race yeah, well. this, that's what people tell me because i still haven't seen the no, last it, four it, laps it was pretty close and he was he was charging yeah but that, and that's what killed me. Like it was like right at lap oh, four laps ago is right when Marquez was starting to make yeah. ground, and then it just cuts out. And you know, by That'd the time you like not having the last lap of Phillip Island this year, you'd oh, be like, yeah. what? What? What, right? what happened? Oh. And then you see the victory lap, and you're like, I still don't know who won because they're both got their arms in the air like they're sharing. The only time you'd have blue balls without an erection. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to think about that, but sure. <laughs> Getting older must be tough. <laughs> So, so shout out to Brad the Bullet. Congratulations. Did it for America. Making us proud. Yeah. I like that super, the Super Stigio is a thing in Barcelona. I like that it's going on. Tony Elias was there. Mika Calio, unfortunately, I believe broke his leg. Um, in practice for it or yeah, something? Yeah, in practice. Mm. I think he crashed and then the guy hit him and he got sandwiched. Mm. But it's cool to see. Was he finished? He was, <laughs> he was finished. He was done for. Oh, it's going to be a punny. It's going to be a punny show, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I think Mika Kelly is finished, isn't yeah, he? Is I hope finished. he is. She okay, is, yeah. I'm just making That's... sure. <laughs> uh, oh, the Diet Coke of Scandinavians. Huh? The Diet Coke of Scandinavians? Yeah. The Finnish? Yeah. I, I would say those are the Jägermeister of Scandinavians, aren't they? Isn't no, Jägermeister is being Finnish German. like Narnar? Yeah, well, so that's the thing. Like, So obviously my heritage is Danish. So we, we have like little It's blood. not obvious. I mean. <laughs> the name like Jensen? Yeah, I'm sorry, but that's not <laughs> obvious. Most most Americans really, it's like, oh, he, they wouldn't freaking, nobody would know. Beeler? Nobody yeah. knows. Yeah. It's not obvious. Well, Beeler's a German name, but yeah. But, right, that's but, what I'm saying. But, you so, but I was saying, so like, so like Danes and Norwegians and Swedes, like we all kind of hate each other, but like, like we've conquered each other so many times over the last like three decades or three millennia that it's just like, we're all the same. Like we just pick some lines and like, okay, we're yeah, different sure. countries now, but we all you have crowns. Our currency is more or less the same. We're pretty much the same culture, just divided by geography, political lines. Yep. But the Finns, like it's a, it's a completely different type of language. It's more, it's very culturally Russian hmm. or I should say Russian influence. It still has a lot of Scandinavian culture, but it, it is different. Like you go Norway, Denmark, Sweden, basically the same language, basically the same culture. Finland's a little different. Uh, Iceland's a lot different. 
It's, sure. it's a weird thing. It's a whole But they make thing. great racing drivers they and do. riders. They, they do. They have, in, Which in is a strange weird. way, for being there, right? Being in the uh, in the geographical location they are. You wouldn't right? think that would be the case, but they, they yeah. just like their, their motorsports. Yeah. So awesome. Uh, with that. But yeah, what I, what I was saying is it's, it's good to see all these these big profile names coming in yes. to the Super Prestigio. And it's cool to see the American one that was in Las Vegas and had like, you know, Josh Hayes and Roger Lee Hayden. And I think they should make it the same, though. That's one thing that I didn't like about the, the Merc and one was that it was on 19 inch wheeled bikes. I think it'd be cool. And I think it'd be uh, behoove of, uh, of the U.S. to adopt that 17 inch road it's race slick. Basically, thing. Supermoto. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, then you could make, and I've, I think I've, I hate that I can't remember which podcast we talked about it, but I think I pled the case for this before. Almost a Grand National Championship mm-hmm. where you could have the same bike to run a uh, supermoto race and a flat track and even a small road race somewhere. Like they could have a road race combined at yeah. one of the smaller tracks, say Sears Point or something like that. Still, It would still be an, an engine blower upper, but for... I think it would be worthwhile to have something like that. That way, we wouldn't have to have, wouldn't have, to have a bunch of different bikes, right? I, I, I totally agree. Like, uh, what is it? And Supercross Monster does that that special race where it's like a million dollars to the winner. So it's just like this right. big, big freaking deal. It'd be cool if they did something similar with that, where it's just like, hey, it's gonna be a four round event. It's something special. You do it on the side, but maybe there's a nice purse to it, so we get some big names. Sure, get some good buzz. I'd be into it. I cover it. Yep. Sign me up. Sign me up, Scotty. That's Star Trek. We should be in more of a Star Wars mode. Since Oh, I have a Star Trek thing for you, but I think it's too early in the evening. We're going to have to talk about Star Trek later on. Oh, good. Something to look forward to. Uh So many many listeners are excited about that now. Oh, Oh. they're going to talk about Star Wars. Great. Turned it off. Mm -hmm. What else do we want to talk about? We got to get through this Yamaha recall. I think this is the last time I want to ever talk about it. Okay, so I just just the final follow-up. There were so many people like, they're not having the parts and... I'm never going to get mine done. And, and Yamaha dealers are, man, man, the people have been poopy. I've all, and I'm not just talking about poopy. If you spent like 20 grand on a bike and I I didn't, I get it, but don't be part of the race to bottom. Just, just accept the fact that shit's going down and Yamaha's taking care of it. Right. Are you, I should, I should ask, are you happy with the way Yamaha is taking care of? Yes. I'll tell you why. Okay. We have an R1 that is used at Moto Corsa. They picked it up last week. It was finished today. It's going to be delivered tomorrow, right? They picked it up before they got the parts as a preemptive strike. You know, maybe that's, there was a... That's your dealership there, in this there area. There was a little... Well, that's what I want to bring up. So okay. there there might have been a little bit of professional courtesy there, but really they were Johnny on the spot with it. They had called up other customers. I think they were doing ours first as because it wasn't as critical to get done quickly even though we want it done quickly it wasn't like we're hammering on them but they had the parts they ordered the parts preemptively and there's all these rumors of oh you can't order the parts until you have the vin and you can't do this and blah 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 blah. if you have a, a shop that's on the spot you're good to go i'm sorry that there might be some yamaha shops out there that aren't but it's up to the consumers to put their feet to the fire to make it right and that might be by going to the dealerships and saying hey there's plenty of other shops that are getting this done, period. Or contacting Yamaha Corporate and making sure Yamaha Corporate knows the dealerships that aren't getting their job done, right? Because this might be the the sink or swim for a few of these people. I know if I was a manufacturer and I had dealerships that weren't getting this done, I'd want them out of my network and I'd try and do whatever I could legally to ensure that they were not a Yamaha dealership anymore. This is what this is what makes or breaks manufacturers is what happens when it all goes wrong. And this is the most profoundly wrong thing that's happened to a, a Japanese brand in a long time that I can recall. No pun intended. So <laughs> <clears throat> I really did not intend that one. So this is a big deal. And I think I, all things considered, what are they going to do? Ship 20,000 engines across the world, whatever, however many they sold to this bike. No, they're not. It's unreasonable. And it's almost irresponsible to think that where you could go and have the bike worked on, uh, get the transmission in and out. They're not having to take the top end of the engine off. I, I, we could go on and on and on. I'll just say this from a mechanical standpoint. It's a, it's a home run bitching thing that a good dealer should be able to take care of. And a good technician should be fine with even an inexperienced technician. Yes, it's heady stuff, but they'll learn and they'll be a better technician for it. And so will the dealerships once they get done with it. All right. Two things, two things on that one. If you're a consumer, do you really want a mechanic learning how to do a transmission swap? No, on but your I bike? don't mind them getting better at getting, doing it. Right. What are you going to do? Right. How many engines do these people have to take apart nowadays? Not that many. So I don't, I'm sorry. I don't mind it, but I'm also a technician that's been working around technicians for the past 20 years. 
So I know that it's a good thing. And I'm sorry that a lot of people might have to deal with technicians that aren't high level, but that's the shits, right? There it is. There's you you can't pick that's, all of them. That's the river down and dirty. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So my second question is, did you, when you were talking to our local Yamaha dealership, did they tell you how long it took them to do the work? No. Because it was the first bike. No, they didn't tell me that. Because I'd be curious, because that's that's the other thing I see a lot of people complaining about. And I see even some dealerships complain about the fact that 16 hours isn't enough time oh, for bullshit. them to do that. I, I call bullshit on that. I, I mean, I'm, I could get a, a Yamaha R1 engine out of a race bike that was prepped, of course, to be a race bike to get. I could have an engine in and out and back in in, in less than an hour. So but that's you doing it. How I know, many times I have know, you done it before? But you know what? Most of these are good technicians. So if, if you can get the engine in and out quickly, <clears throat> which you can, even with street bike crap, these bikes are fairly easy to work on. Not really easy, but they are fairly easy to work on. They're fairly well put together, uh, fairly well designed to be worked on, especially considering some other brands out there. So I, I have full faith that it could be done in a fairly time efficient manner. 16 hours. We'll see. Time will tell. I, I don't think it's a implausible that you could do that transmission job if it was a ducati where you have to split the the cases which are horizontally or are vertically split that's an involved thing right that's a 20-hour job but if i was paying to have a crankshaft re a crankshaft up rebuild of a ducati from warranty it was an 18-hour job and that's that's heady right so that's that's not simple uh, so to have 16 hours to do transmission these guys are getting paid or girls are getting paid well, I think. It, yeah, you're going to lose your buns in the first couple, but they had, like this shop, this local one had 15 to do. They're going to be making cash, and it's in the middle of the winter. If this was happening in June, I think we'd have it would be a, definitely a different story because then all of that time that the technicians are spending is not being put into customer pay, which is a, a lot more profitable because they could probably get a lot of those customer pay jobs done quicker. So they're making more money as a flat rate. Or the shops making more money in general, but I have a feeling they're going to be able to meet or beat flat rate fine, and they'll be they'll be fine. That's my opinion. Uh, it'll be interesting to see over the course of time how that works out. So no sympathy for the the Midwest shops that maybe have two or three two or three of these to do. No, yeah, sorry, you signed up to be a, a, a dealer. That's part of the deal. Send your hate mail to two enthusiasts at <laughs> asphaltnover.com. Right. I think it's a good opportunity for everybody. It's a win win for for the shops to show that they're a better shop, that they can get the shit done. And these people are going to be just fine. Um, it's, it's a lose for the customers. No doubt. I I'm sorry, but that sucks. But you know, it's kind of the nature of the beast though. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm, it's really unfortunate for everybody involved in the motorcycles, but I think it'll be forgotten pretty quickly if they do their good job of getting the bikes in and having, having people taken care of as they're trying to. Yeah. I don't think uh, a year from now we're going to be talking about this. Nope. Or, or even have it be on a radar no, or be a blip. I, I think at this stage we can, unless something weird comes up after, we might be worth revisiting after six months. Hey, what did you ever think? What, did you hear anything? But right now it's good. It's hot topic because this is the worst time of the year for people to have, they have nothing to do but sit in their houses and get on the internet and oh, talk yeah. shit. So oh, that's yeah. what we're seeing. It's that boiling, I can't ride my motorcycle because it's cold outside. No, I've and been then, feeling it. It was last week I posted, I posted something up on Facebook. It was like, is like today the unofficial be shitty on Twitter day. Cause it just seems like people <laughs> had more time to be just spewing venomous crap on social media more than, more than usual. Yeah, sure. I should say. Yeah. Cause there's already kind of a fairly high level of that in, in the sphere, but, um, the doldrums of winter. Yep. That's, that's the nature of the sport really. Right. Sure. At least for us up here in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see in six months. I'll be curious to see quite honestly. I'll be curious to see what 2016, R1 sales look like, and I don't think it's going to be any, any different than what we would have expected before this recall. I, I don't think so either. I, I think most people are going to know that the bikes work obviously works very well, and it's tough to refute that. So. It's not a bad bike. I let's put it this way: if I was in the market for a super bike right now, I'd probably be looking at an R1. If I was, well, what would I, do? What would I get? Be like an R1 RC4. Aprilia. I like that Aprilia, really do. Um, maybe the Cowie. I never owned a Cowie. Never owned an Aprilia either. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I would. Our one's in there though. It's in the wheelhouse for sure. If you had to, if you had to put a gun to my head to ride a big open class sport bike, but other than that, I don't really want to ride a big open class. Well, sport yeah, bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Are we done with this? Can we put this one to bed? Totally. The sleepy. horse is dead. Sleepy time. Shh, so sleepy. You're so sleepy. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about the Alpine Stars Dainese legal kerpluffle that's going on over the airbag suits. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. It's uh, a very interesting thing. I think this is going to have serious implications for the motorcycle industry. Why? Why do you think it's that deep? For for starters, like safety, motorcycle safety apparel manufacturers. We, we, they figured out the slide protection a long time ago, the abrasion protection a long time ago. You know, that's not hard. You get a thick enough leather in there. You get a strong enough leather. You know, we've moved. You see, I've actually got a horse leather jacket, but you've got kangaroo gloves. There's kangaroo suits. You see stingray. Like, there's some interesting. Stingray? Uh, yeah, have you ever seen stingray used? No, on? I'm afraid oh, yeah. not. I, I would think it's awesome, but I, I feel I don't bad for have, the stingray. Yeah, I like stingray. Well, I mean, except for the whole... Um, What's his name? The, the Aussie guy. <sighs> right to the heart. Right oh, to the heart. I can't believe we don't remember his name. Oh, this is horrible. Oh, Steve Irwin. Steve uh, Oh, funny. God bless you, Steve Irwin. Oh. Wherever you are right now, you are a good man and his family. I feel bad for them. Sure. But but when you play with, you know, that's what that's what he did. He played with shit that was, you know, kind of bad. And then the irony of a of an animal that wouldn't normally. Yeah. Yeah. Went, I, I, I forget the story. There was something weird about the whole thing, though. But yeah, it's just tragic. That's a tragedy. We don't need to go down that road. That's a tragedy. Um, if <laughs> it's you dread that we went from leather suits to stingray, stingray. to Steve Irwin getting killed, that's weird. I'm okay. just gonna throw this out here. If you dressed up as Steve Irwin with a stingray singer in your heart for Halloween, you're a fucking terrible person, and you should go to the like third tier of hell or wherever it is. It wouldn't even that wouldn't even occur to me. Yeah, well, some people. I, <clears throat> yeah, bad people. Can you imagine though, just not even just the uh, stinger, but having soon. a whole stinger just hanging from you. <laughs> even now, it's too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> too soon. Uh, All right. Okay. So uh, Alpine Stars and Dainese both have airbag suits. Okay. So yeah, I should go back to why this is so important because so we figured out the abrasion thing a long time ago, and you know we're still kind of making innovations in that space. Synthetic materials are very very strong. Like it's we got that sword. You can slide down the road for a hundred miles. You'll be fine. With some hyperbole. Yeah, that's a little bit hyperbolic. A little hyperbolic, but you know. You do have a hypermotard. I do have a hypermotard. But the 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 bigger issue is the impacts. And so, the, you know, we've seen some some interesting things in the realm of like body armor. D3O has come out. We've seen some different CE levels of protection. That's a that's a rating system um, a for European armor. It's a European, I believe rating system for armor protection and that's becoming actually becoming more and more regulated in europe it's actually something that's very interesting in the space Re- required it's it, yeah the europeans are saying like it's it's like what we've done with helmets they're basically saying you gotta do the same thing with your back protectors your shoulder protectors your arm protectors we're gonna have some baselines that you have to hit on energy transfer and things like that which is great i think that's fantastic for the space keep it up but obviously you know like i got here so like i was my, my collarbone's been hurting all day today um there's there's room for improvement and the next step in that is airbag technology and we've seen it basically proven out on the racetrack for MotoGP and World Superbike Moto America AMA all these series around the world uh, Alpine Stars and Dainese have been pioneering this technology and it's very very sophisticated but it, it's the idea that we can start now protecting the impact at a higher level and at a more sophisticated level than we ever could before so I wrote the story when the Dainese Masano jacket came out. I said, this jacket is going to make your motorcycle jacket obsolete because it's, it's the first consumer level street jacket with an integrated self actuating airbag system. You look like you have something. No, I was just trying to think of the, the, uh, the Ducati D air, uh, which is Dainese. Right. And how was it? So actually was, was that, that's partially actuated so by the spike. There's so, so this is the thing with Dainese. There's so many different little systems. So the D air, the multi-strata D air and which is only Europe, which is only in Europe. A lot of the Dainese, a lot of both of these companies is only in Europe. I should preface, but probably cause they're worried about, they're worried about lawsuits in the U S that's, that's the, num- the number one thing they're worried about getting sued. Italians are, uh, risk averse when it comes to sometimes. Except for like when they brought out early versions with the street uh, traction control, Ducati was like, "Matt, we're making traction control." And there was no, no qualms about that, right? They were one of the first ones to offer it. So it's weird how some yeah. companies are like, "I don't." Here's a 1098R with traction control, no Fs given, right? And then stack that on and on and on with the Multistratas and the Diablos sure. and all that before most people were doing it. Sure, sure, so, sure, sure. 
I mean, they were quasi late to the ABS game, but. And this is a topic for another show, but I just rode the new Cowie ZX6R. Hmm. It's got traction control. And I was like, oh, one of the few 600s that has traction oh, control. Oh, that's weird. Right I never even thought about that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get, we'll get to that. That's actually next show. You're going to have to wait for it. I apologize. Anyways, okay. this show. Um, airbags. Airbags. Thank you. Uh, the like the Dynasty has got so many different permutations of its airbag system, but the one you're talking about, it's on the Multistrada, and they were going to get it out on other bikes. But basically, yeah, it, it's a motorcycle that has sensors in it that will help determine um, when an airbag should be deployed. The the I I don't honestly I think that system's getting retired. I don't know for sure, but just knowing that they're coming out with self-contained self-actuating street systems it makes that kind of obsolete and it was like a it was kind of a beast like you had to have it either come from the factory like the like the multi-strata did or you had to have like someone trained to install these things it wasn't like really something you could install yourself especially with the liability it was a bad solution to to this problem and i think that's where like this masano jacket is a really good solution because you just put the jacket on you're protected that's how it should be it's the same thing with the with the d-air race suits you just put your suit on click your button it's on no, but then you have to deal with batteries and shit, which I guess that's what you got to do. We're, we live in a connected world, you know? So maybe, I mean, like, maybe this is one of those things where, like, now we put, like, a power outlet in our Yeah, the USB port, right? Just plug it right in. Sure. No big deal. I, I, I don't see that as being the limiting factor. Especially, I can't imagine it takes a whole lot of energy to keep the system going that's, that's the brain. Uh, and the actuation for the airbags themselves... It might be little charges of It's a, they're cold, gas. they're cold, um, what do they call it? They're cold charges. Hmm. Oh, there's a special. It's a release th- of there's gas. There's a special. It's probably a chemical term. reaction. That, it's, that, yeah, it's not an explosion. That's why you can take it on an airplane. Huh. That's like the big thing. It's like, it's, it's a I cold. I never thought about oh, that. Gonna, someone's gonna, someone's like yelling at the, the, their computer or their car or whatever it is right now. They're like, hey, idiot, it's cold. Okay. Yeah, that you're right. You're absolutely right. I just having a brain fart. That's okay. But um, the takeaway is you can take it on the airplane and it's it's safer and you don't have to be as worried when you're handling it. So Dynese and Alpine Stars both have these systems. The Dynese version is called the D-Air. The Alpine Stars version is called the Tech Air. They've both been working on it for about a decade. Uh, and I'm sure have numerous, numerous patents on it. Uh, my understanding was, so the Dynese D-Air is in a lot of markets now. And they've they finally got it out to the U.S. for the suits. The jackets will come later in 2016. But it's one of those things like they've been saying it was coming in and saying it was coming. It's finally kind of out and obtainable. The Alpine Stars is almost unobtainium. But Germany was one of the few markets where um, it was being imported. And probably more importantly, Alpine Stars and BMW mm. have signed a partnership. And Alpine Stars was making BMW-branded Tech Air-enabled suits from BMW Motorrad. Funny story, if you back up 2010, Dynese was supposed to be that partner. And that deal kind of fell apart. Alpine Star swooped in. So it's kind of interesting that Germany is the first country that that got the legal hammer on it. But my understanding is the, the German system's fairly efficient on handling matters like this. Uh, Alpine Stars had to take... The way the German system is efficient? It's weird, right? Hmm. Um, who knew? That and the trains run on time. It's like this weird thing. <laughs> Now there's the lawsuit in Italy, and that I think everyone's expecting to take quite a, a bit more time. That will likely dictate what happens at a worldwide level because both are Italian companies. It'll sure. be more applicable to their day-to-day operations. But why is it, how is this really going to, uh, as you would say, change the price of bread? It just just means that Dainese is going to be the one that gets to. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I should preface, and I, I have no problems being outright honest. Dainese is one of our biggest advertisers. In fact, they're hopefully going to start advertising on the show soon. So, so take that into account whenever I say anything about them, because I definitely have no qualms about people uh, knowing that information and wondering whether or not I have a bias or not. And I'd yeah, like sure. to think that I don't, but I, I think it's better to have that information out there than not. Yeah, I get it. Um, I'm always, I'm always on the consumer side. I like to think of asphalt and rubber as always being consumer focused. And for me, free market capitalist, perspective pragmatic perspective i would rather see more brands in the space of this technology than fewer because that means competition that yep. means lower prices that I means agree. innovation yep. that in, that improves the breed you know that being said like i, I think the dine i think the dynese system is better all the data i've seen especially the crash statistics from MotoGP, gp i'm gonna ballpark it because i should have looked this up i was having a hard time i tweeted this out like 
mm, three years ago or whenever when the press thing was. But there's been several hundred crashes over the last however many years of airbag technology in Grand Prix and racing. And it's all documented by something? Yeah. Somebody, something? And so I want to say it's like 500 crashes, something like 380 deployments, and Dionysia's had one injury, and it was Paul Spargo. And you look at, they say the other brands. Well, the only other brand is Alpine Stars, and it's like 700 crashes, 500 deployments and like 38 injuries or 50 injuries or something like that. Like it's, it's a magnitude more. And the reason for that is the, the Dainese bladder was, holds more volume of air. They're pumping it at, um, a higher rate. It it's, in my opinion, it's a better system. And that's my understanding. That's what the patent revolves around is this idea of like, we have a GPS and IMU, these gyroscopes, we know how fast the bike's accelerating, the lean angle, all this. We're taking all these sensors, we're putting it into an algorithm. The bike can, uh, the system can detect when a crash is occurring and decide whether or not an airbag t- should deploy. Because that's something I don't think people understand. It's not just like you fall off the bike, the airbag expands. The bike knows if you're having a low side, if you're having a high side, if you're going to hit the ground at 20 miles an hour or 30 miles an hour. And it makes the decision on whether or not to deploy or not. And I think that's that's a huge factor. So it's not just firing off every single time. It You could fall over in a parking lot. It won't go off. You could have the crash that I had, and it will, which was at 20 miles an hour. So I think that's very interesting, and that's the sophistication that we're dealing with at this level. And there's, there's so many things there that you can patent, and I don't think people put nearly enough um, stock in how complex these systems are. But at the crux of it is this idea that there's basically a computer deciding whether or not to deploy and that's that's the value. And it's smart enough to know when you've, you know, I don't know if it, m- most people probably haven't had this happen, but I've had partial high sides before. Rear steps out. I'm still on the throttle. It it bucks you like crazy. So there's a lot of uh, forces being you know on you, acting on you. Mm-hmm. The bike's acting on you. You're still holding on that would most of these systems have to be able to figure out when, if it's that or are you about to hit the ground? Absolutely. And I don't know how these things work. That would Absolutely. be the curious is like, do, do any of these things ever go off? Like, okay, you almost have a high side. You, you, the bike slips, regrips, shakes you. And then, but you stay on the bike. Does it blow off? And then mm. you have this weird concussive event on your body, but then it doesn't really hurt you, and then you keep going down the road with these bags flapping around. I don't wonder if that has ever happened. I don't have data on that. I'm sure it's happened once or twice. But when you look at the slow-mo video, and, that, and that's actually one of the things, like, talking to the Dainese people, and I've obviously had a lot more contact with Dainese than Alpine Stars on this technology, so I, I see it very much through their lens. But talking to them, that that's the whole trick in the system. That's, like, how do we not have a false positive? And yeah. if you look at the slow-mo of a lot of the stuff, the bags aren't deploying until that person's in, you know, the stratosphere. It's not like they're on the bike, you know, just leaving the bike and it pops. Like usually these these airbags are deploying, you know, milliseconds before they hit the ground. Uh, it's a very sophisticated hmm. system. So, so you know, I'm sure in the early stages, yeah, they had probably those situations where they got a wobble, riders maybe, you know, bumbling sure. around the seat and it deploys and, you know, oopsies to, to uh, was it Rick Perry? Oops. Oh yeah, that's well, yeah. Rick Perry, gross. My my brain but, my brain's in some crazy places. Wow, today. would the Republicans love to have that guy back right now? Whoa, oh, just thinking grief. about his abject stupidity relative to what's going on now, and they would love to have you him. Know the problem is, he got the glasses. He started looking smart, and it was like, no, you're too far outside our base. <laughs> we need to dumb it down a little bit. We need to get maybe quasi racist with it. <laughs> And um, if we can, can just we get like show a, him some abject sexism there, come on, man. Right, right. <laughs> Sorry. Anywho, <laughs> you started with the Rick Perry thing. Fair enough. Oops, it's my fault. Oops. Oops. Um, I don't remember what we're talking about the the false positives. It, 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 yeah, it's certainly something that was in the system. I'm sure they were they were having those issues, but that that's the whole that's the whole um, ghost in the machine. That's the whole magic is being able to not to have that. And so that seems to be what's going to come out in the the cases in Italy. And whatever gets decided there is going to probably, I think, affect the rest of the world. And, and you know, I'm such a huge proponent of this technology from whatever manufacturer 
is developing it. I would something love, new, something that's pushing the envelope would, of safety. I would love to see Speedy. I would love to see Revit. I would love to see you name it company have their own version of this out there. Uh, if that was the situation, the the only upside I see is you know we've seen, um, uh, Dainese has already licensed this to Furigen and excuse me, uh, Vercos, hmm. two other Vercos. I think they're Italian. I think they're Vercos just veins. <laughs> kind of like a. I think I said it right. Um, but they they they're licensing that technology yeah, sure. and they're calling it the D Air Armor, which is even more confusing. But you know that'll probably end up being some version of this. But it, it you know it's one of those things like ten years from now, if your leathers and your jacket and your pants or whatever don't have airbag technology, people are gonna look at you like, huh? Interesting. It's like the bikes now. Are you, it's, are you poor? It's like what's funny going on? How often people come in looking at bikes that you and I would think are perfectly normal and they're like, oh, that doesn't have ABS. <laughs> it's such a sea change, right? Mm-hmm. To finally got to the point now where people are like, oh, that doesn't have traction control. Oh, I don't know if I really, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's It's so, it's, you know, for my safety, right? And it's fascinating to watch, right? So that's the same thing's going to happen eventually with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's, and I think that's great. That's great progress. I'll just be very curious to see, uh, what these judges in Italy rule, uh, the Italian legal system is a bit of a quagmire. I don't understand how intellectual property law works in Italy. I <laughs> I know comparative law quite well. I know intellectual property quite well. I don't know <laughs> comparative intellectual property. Um, so we'll see. I don't I don't have any predictions other than um, it, it. I think it'll have some some pretty serious effects. Right on. Speaking of safety things, this isn't in our notes, but I know we talked about beforehand that clamshell helmet. Oh yeah, that's from. I, oh man, I'm not gonna remember the name of it. I saw it on some. Uh, oh, it's Va- Vaz helmets. Vaz. Vaz. V O Z Z. Vaz. So so Vaz. you want Vaz. Vaz. That it? you got it out. Yeah. It's like Tourette's. <laughs> you, know, you have like helmet Tourette's. Yeah. So instead of having a a chin strap, they're basically making a helmet that you put on your face and then you clamp down the back. So it clamshells from a hinge point at the back top of the helmet. So towards the back, kind of at a diagonal. Yeah. And it's, you wanted to talk about, tell me why this is something we should talk about. I, it's fascinating. Somebody tried to make something different, right? It's like, Hmm, we don't need a chin strap. We're going to figure out a way to do this without chin strap. So it encapsulates, I assume your, your chin area in such a way that the helmet won't fly off. So there's a couple of goods to this. One of them would be when you crash, removal of the helmet is always a major issue. Absolutely. That's right? the one benefit I saw. I was like, okay, I get that. But the compromise of the structure being split in half, I mean, I can't see that being good, mm, right? I haven't looked enough to, I haven't done my research. I apologize, but I haven't looked enough to see if it's already DOT or ECE approved. Even if it's not, I'm just saying that the structure, oh, yeah. it's, it's like a flip up helmets. Well, that's it's the, the same thing. Like, you look at these, and that was what I was telling to someone who, who sent it to me on Facebook or whatever we were talking about. I was like, it's not like modular helmets are known for being particularly safe. Like, in fact, they're known for not, not being great. Being, yeah. the, I think actually, I think AGV is the only one making a modular helmet with metal posts. Yeah. So it's this idea of like, so most of the helmets on the market have these plastic posts. So you're only as good as that plastic post in a crash. And it's the same thing where I look at this, we're like, you're really only as good as this hinge in a crash. And I don't really know like like the seam of where this, this clamshell yeah. is going is in sure. like some pretty critical areas. And I'm like, I don't really know. I don't really know if I want to put my head in that. It doesn't seem good. It doesn't seem good. It seems like a bad deal. I hate your puns. <laughs> I hate you so much. I don't know anyone that likes Quentin. Someone tried to email me telling me that they liked you, and I was just like, you liar. You dirty liar, Jeremy. Did they end their email saying kickstands up? Okay, do you know how many emails like we've gotten that say kickstands up? It's so annoying. It's disgusting. I, I feel so bad. I hate you so much. It was a joke in the you beginning. Have, you have made the world a worse place. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he didn't you were like looking at in the beginning you're like i can't believe you say that i'm like i got it. it's, it's a fun tagline right no. now it's fun now it's now totally it's, fun now we're stuck with it no, we're gonna have to make a t-shirt <laughs> oh no <laughs> little kickstands up it's gonna be like a kickstand down on the front and then a kickstand up uh, in the back and say kickstands right? up <laughs> two door cast yeah 
Thorky for sure. Um, All right. So other than that, I just wanted to bring that up. That that helmet. It's interesting. It was an interesting. Like, oh my gosh, somebody put some thought into making something different. Would I buy one? Probably not. No, but it, at least there's something. Trying something, right? It's a I like solution looking for a problem. Yeah. Okay. I don't. It's a. I would run. I would run so far away. There's so, the other. Speaking of helmets, I'd run away from really quickly. Scully's finally shipping their AR1 helmet. The the one with the heads up display. R. And it was kind of cool. Like. I've seen some photos and they send it in a Pelican case and it's like, Oh, that's kind of clever. You know, if I paid like two grand for a helmet, I'd hope it show up in a Pelican case too. <laughs> but at the end of the day, there's some I'm, irony in having a, the protective case that's so for, protective for, for a helmet. For a helmet. And it was just like, like, Oh, Hey, here's our shitty hundred dollar Chinese helmet that we stuck like a, basically the smartphone in and put a piece of glass in the front. So when you crash, that'll be the first thing that goes through your eye. <laughs> Thank you for giving us an obscene amount of money for it. Nerd. <laughs> Is that did I throw enough haterade? Yeah, that, that was that was a couple of big I am gulps there, man. Not a fan. I mean, that was like blood red haterade, right? Not there. not a fan. I, I'm I'm stoked that there's 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 innovation in that space, and I'm, I'm glad that that's going on. I just I wouldn't put my money towards that. Sure. Anywho, uh, moving on from there, World Superbike. Total total change the subjects. Let's let's get back to the racy stuff. Okay. World Superbike has changed their format. So instead of two races on Sunday, we're gonna have one race on Sunday and one race on Saturday. You mean one race on Saturday, then one race on Sunday? No, they're gonna go back in time. <laughs> that's that's the trick. They're gonna right. they're gonna Tarantino the races. Didn't they used to do that though? Something is kicking the back of my head. Of maybe it was AMA Motor, Superbike. Yeah, that did AMA that. tried to do it. Yeah. And it was no bueno. We should look into that, like the, the history of it. Cause you know, this has happened for decades. They change up racing just a little bit, try and mm-hmm. do a little something different. Mm-hmm. I like the two race format and I love the idea f- from a technical, st- from a, from a mechanic standpoint to be able to have a night to go back through the bike, mm-hmm. uh, to download the rider, to get somebody in a different headspace. That's pretty critical. Whereas a few hours, there's something good for that too, because there's the rush, there's the mad rush. If they crash, if if something bad happens, whatever, or just to get their headspace right, that was always a fascinating thing. If there were two races in a day, but I I think it's good to have an overnight to have a, a nice big think and then come back and and it can produce different results. So I like that absolutely, and that's the thing. Like a lot of people in my circles are super poopy about it, and this is just hardcore journalists that have. They don't have blood. They have like this black oily substance that just like hydraulically goes to their body kind of thing. But they are so poopy about it. Why? Me, I don't, what, what's their reason for it? Because it's going to create more work for them? Pretty much probably. I mean like it's it's kind of like, oh, well, the, you know, the teams are going to have to do more and like the fans are going to have to go. I look at it from like the the – from a fan perspective, I love the fact that like you're going to have to go race when you don't quite have a perfect setup yet. You know, you have – you had one less day to get ready. So that means like kind of anything could happen because I feel like the two race format, like the the chances for someone to go in like a Tom Sykes or Jonathan Ray or whomever to go and do a double is so, is so high because yeah, you get a little bit of track variation from the morning race to the afternoon race, but yeah, you know, you don't see a lot of difference there. Whereas like Saturday could be rainy, Sunday could be gorgeous, completely different results are like, Hey, you know, the Yamahas haven't quite found their setup yet. It's Saturday. They gotta go race. They're going to come in fifth. But, you know, they got that extra day, and now on Sunday they're ready to go. They're going to go in the race. You're going to see a lot more diversity in the results, and I think that's great. I look at it from a track perspective, and the tracks are hurting. I don't think people understand, like, tracks are not making money on these things. They make what comes through the gate. They make what you're getting on concessions. And even then, someone like Dorna is trying to, you know, skim like 10% off the top of whatever comes through the gate. Yeah. Like, they're just losing all the way around. So I love the idea that tracks are going to have crowds on Saturdays and Sundays because I've seen the statistics on the gates Sundays versus Saturday, like a qualifying day versus a race day. And it is staggering. You know, you look at um, like what Circuit of Americas is doing. If I, if I took the time right now and, and pulled up the data, I could give you some concrete numbers. But it's like 50% of the entire weekend gate comes in on Sunday. You know, and let's say like 30% comes on Saturday and 20% comes on Friday. So it's a total buildup. Well, and that, that could a lot of a lot of that could be the fault of these tracks because they gouge you with with the food. And, you know, to spend a day, an extra day there is, is an expense that most people don't want to take their look at it. Like what, what's the return on investment and go check out the kind of the meager stuff that they have there now. Cause most tracks really, I mean, it hasn't been good for the probably past decade, at least in the U S right. And you go there 
It's not that much of a show. The vendors aren't really heavy duty. You go on a Sunday, you can suck that all in, get the racing in and go. And the value for money is there in most cases. Whereas, I don't know, I remember back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was a show and getting, I mean, it might be because I wasn't jaded and, you know, hadn't been in it for so long, but I used to want to be there Friday, Saturday and Sunday if I could, right? You know, the AMA Superbike race at Willow Springs, the AMA races at Phoenix International Raceway. This was back when when superbike racing was gnarly and there were V4s and V-twins and inline fours and two strokes and Harley Davidson class and, and 750 Supersport and 600 Supersport. I mean, there was a, it was a smorgasbord of racing back in that era and the economy was good enough to where it was an interesting thing to see. And into the 2000s, it was, it was pretty good until, you know, the DMG uh, completely bombed AMA road racing, right? They but, Titanic'd it so hard. It's bad. But in the, in the, I would say even into the mid 2000s, it was already kind of waning because there was not much for diversity. You only had a few classes and it was not, it was a little boring, right? And you go to the races and there wasn't a lot for you to do other than watch the races. And there has to be a bit of more crowd involvement somehow. So I don't know if that's the case in MotoGP. I only go to these races in the United States. I haven't been right. uh, uh, to uh, elsewhere. Uh, the World Superbikes. It's been a long time since I've been a world superbike race. I mean, I've got the races list in front of me. I don't want to gun, jump through all the numbers and start spinning out numbers over over the podcast. But I mean, you can pretty much add up Friday and Saturday, and that equals Sundays. Yeah, you know, so you're definitely getting about fifty sure. percent of your traffic. I'm looking at all eighteen races. You're pretty much looking at half your traffic on Sunday. Now, imagine you can split. Maybe you lose a little bit on your Sunday traffic. Maybe people don't come for all the days. But, but you even if you can boost that Saturday more. up, yeah. you're actually going to put a lot of money into the tracks. And I think that's really positive for the sport, uh, especially since you know we're seeing the the race organizers. You just said it. You just said it. Especially, I was wondering who the hell was saying it because that guy brought it up, and I was like, when is he going to ever say it? Because I I was pretty sure I say especially, but you just said especially with an X. It's weird. I never, I was like, I would have never heard it except for that one guy. He was like, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Sorry. I'm sorry to bring <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> That's all I got. I like say. it. I think we should say especially every time. You know, I, I sat, I, I saw, I know the comment you're talking about and I sat there and I tried to say it both ways and it sounds the same in my head. I bet. Sure. So sorry for partying. <laughs> I'm especially sorry how especially sorry I am. <laughs> sorry. I had to bring it up because that was just like, yeah, I, I no, I'm glad because I, I didn't know who it was either. I was just saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So especially something. Especially. Oh, you were talking about the, oh man, we just totally screwed up the flow with the especially. Yep. Thanks. Thanks guy for that comment. You just screwed <laughs> the show. But we, appre- but we appreciated your feedback and obviously we're taking it to heart. So yeah. winner for you. Absolutely. It's early enough in it where we're not getting enough hate mail. That we can't go through all the email about all of our poor judgments and enunciations. Oh man, because oh, that's the thing. I got, I got a, I got a voice for online. Yeah, you know how people have like a face for radio. I got a voice for <laughs> for blogging. I think we're doing okay. All right, so next, because I, I think the world super. Unless you had something more to oh, add. To- oh, there was. I did have a mental thing in my head. Um, to, to wrap up, what we were saying there. Just, just stoked to see um, racetracks make more money. Yes. Because they are getting hit so hard by the serious promoters. And I'm basically talking about Dorna. Dorna's just squeezing everyone the way they can. Uh, they're trying to make profit centers out of so they many different are things. are following the Bernie Ecclestone, which is the Formula One dude. Right. right. They're following his lead. Minus the whole like weird Hitler fetish prostitute thing. That was Max. That's was that, not, that was the other guy? That's not Bernie. Oh, okay. But let me tell you. I don't think Bernie falls too far Far from that tree. (laughs) They they met on the same online forum. Yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm sure. Ugh, ugh. Anyway, that guy has is so it's it's deep. Formula One though is a a gigantic pull. I mean, you think MotoGP is big, and it's not even freaking close. So they can do that, even though it makes people angry. They can basically because say they they can do it because you'll still make money at the end of the day to a point. That's maybe, the thing. Like, maybe. yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna make a hundred million dollars, but you might make ninety million dollars, <laughs> possibly. You know? like, that's but that, what we're that's the thing about. with the with the uh, uh, MotoGP relative to World Superbike. Um, and one thing I wanted to bring up was the fact that there was a uh, release of the dates for AMA Superbike, um, which I know you don't really follow a whole lot because it's been so 
poor and right I really from wanna, an asphalt and rubber yeah from an asphalt and rubber point of view i really want to hire someone for it but it's not there yet we i think this 2016 season we will have a world superbike correspondent um doing like the same work that like david does for yeah, MotoGP. Sure. but um for moto america it's just not there yet i would just i would lose so much money i, I just like i'm worried about the world superbike thing yeah uh on on probably i'll probably end up losing money well, on it fingers crossed hopefully it gets so. better all i'll say is that the, the schedule looks decent and it looks decent in a couple of ways because a lot of people don't realize from a serious standpoint or from a say a racing standpoint a, uh, a team standpoint driving across the united states is epic right so you get british superbike you get italian superbike german superbike these are all countries where you can drive across the country in a day yeah here You've got three days, right? You have the, to think of you have to think of America like Europe. Like it would be the equivalent of having a European tran, uh, championship double, where you're in. If you, you know, consider France. Russia, Europe, yeah. yeah. If I have to drive to to Moscow from Portugal, sure, right, and, and it's probably worse than that. Anyway, so that's the thing a lot of people don't understand is that when you make a race series that goes from Jersey to California to Florida then to utah and then back to virginia that's you're burning up gas you're burning up time you're burning up resources and it's pretty epic so when a, with these racing uh, uh teams have to look at how they're going to schedule their drivers their flights for their 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 people um to get to and from the track it's it's big it's big money so if they made it it looks like the series is pretty good this year they start in jersey and they bounce around in such a way that it's i'm not saying it's perfect but it makes pretty good sense the one thing that was of, of note for me is that the utah racetrack which is no longer miller motorsports park uh, was on the schedule right yeah. and that was cool and they said hey this is going to be a saturday race so somebody got their shit together and said hey we can't be plopped in the only mostly Mormon area of the country that doesn't have any other population centers anywhere near it other than Salt Lake City. We can't do this and expect to get people to go there on Sundays, period, right? right? So they're going to make... It's almost like Assen being on on Saturday, right? Yeah. I don't know. That's which just, was also because of religious issues. So it's tradition, and yeah. it, but it became a tradition. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, other than the okay, the teams don't get to practice as much or whatever. Whatever, get over it, right? You will get more eyeballs on product. You will have a good race. Everybody has to not practice the same, and you'll have a, a awesome weekend and hopefully get some enthusiasm from the local people because there's still, you know, millions of people in the greater area, I think, maybe yeah. a million. Salt Lake City is a big area. Enough, yeah. enough. And you can draw, you can draw. I mean, I know a lot of people that would come there from the Bay Area, from the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. It's 12 hours from Portland. It's probably 14, 15 hours from Seattle. There were people that make the trek, myself included, because it's it's an event and it's a beautiful racetrack. Beautiful and it's racetrack. An awesome the area. all around it. And now gorgeous. that there's not as much BS... Um, alcohol laws i mean when we first started going there in the mid-2000s you could only get 3.2 percent beer right and then you had to become a member of the local club at the bar in order to get the beer it was a you know draconian stupid rules because of religion and now it's it's softened up and that actually that area is rad has a lot of great food and some of the best beer I, it's bizarre. Actually, there's one. It's called Polygamy Porter. I'm not kidding you. And and the best is <laughs> on the T-shirts. It says take home, take some home to the wives. <laughs> and the, the other one was why have just one. <laughs> anyway, so it's a cool area. A lot of people don't get that. They think it's all stodgy and gnarly. But I have some really good friends that live there, and I've had some great times there. It's a really cool city. So yeah. no, I, I hope love, to I see that 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 goes well. But you were just saying that apparently. That track sale is not. That good. was the news today. I, it'll get sorted out, but they they nixed the uh, the winning offer because uh, it was a Chinese company, the same company that owns Volvo. It's Geely, and um, Volvo. Yeah, the car company. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, Ford sold them a while back. To Geely. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I guess their offer was lower than another offer. And then there's like a third party that's like about, but it's a lot like the Eric Buell racing situation where you have like uh, other people trying to get their offers together. There's higher offers. There's, there's things going on. So the judge threw that, that deal out the window and they're going to probably have to come back and, and relook at it, but I, it's going to sell. It's someone's going to take and it so over. Fingers and crossed. Hopefully the schedule there. will stay on and this will get sorted out and they'll still be able to run it. 
in some way, shape, or yeah, form. I don't think that's going to be in jeopardy, but you know, you never know. Yeah, you sure. never know. Okay. I, 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 I have a very favorable outlook on it, though. I think with that one, Quentin, we've 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 covered a lot of news. Yeah, man, I'm standing in there. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Leave your comments and reviews on iTunes. We've been totally appreciative of everyone that's taken the time to do that. Definitely, especially get, the guy that was talking about especially. Especially, I still don't think I do it. You just did it okay there, but you did it. You're gonna have to wait until you listen to it. Yeah, wait no, I'll go it. back. I'm like play it over again. It's gonna be like the the what's the Wonder League? <laughs> Wonder League. X- Especially, 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 especially. All right, kickstands up. Good talk. See you out there later. So that three episodes later, when you go, did we talk about that? <clears throat> yeah. Just the stuff that wasn't on. Your- we re- we want to do show notes. We need somebody that could do post editing. That could help out with that i don't know where we'd find somebody like that <sighs> like like have someone carry their weight <laughs> i'm talking about quentin not you baby love you you're my everything <laughs> please don't choke me in my sleep <laughs> knife through the heart <laughs> oh. i never realized like sharing a bed with someone like you really have to watch what you say during the day because they could just snuff you out in the middle of the night mm-hmm Scary. Not, I've never really my my, my bachelor until, life. Until recently, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a lot of serious relationships before this. <laughs> when I first got engaged to Shannon, one of my friends because she she's a little firecracker. One of my friends was like, "She's gonna knife you in the heart one night." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I do kind of like believe that will happen. Sometime. <laughs> like he was he was he was a British guy. He was like he was gonna she's gonna if you die under suspicious con- right your heart. <laughs> if you die under suspicious circumstances after like a, a recent scuffle with Shannon, I'm totally like you should you should look into the wife. I think there's something there. <laughs> she, I mean, she's a sweet lady, but don't tell her I said that. Just like this is an anonymous tip. Uh, I think we got a show. Okay. Um, Let me get my articles up so I don't fuck it all up like I usually do.